episode. First, just wanted to remind you that we are going to start our journaling journey in 2021 and we will get the group going next week so that we are ready to hit the ground running in the new year. So if you're interested in trying journaling, trying this journey with us, if you already love to journal, if you want to give it a try, hit me up at KDT at InMyShoesToday.com and I will be sure to add you to the list. I promise you, you won't regret it. It'll be a great community of women who can help keep you on track. Uh, journaling can be therapeutic. You guys know words of what I do and I want to share that with all of you. And also, as always, we do pre-record these episodes, and that is the case with this one. But I think it will be one that you'll get a lot of information out of. And so with that, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hello, hello, and welcome to In My Shoes. It's a podcast for women of color where we talk about the issues that we're facing every day. And I am your host, Karen Davis-Thompson. So excited for my guest today. I actually saw her on a clip um, a piece on the Today Show and really uh, was interested in her movement. It's called Corona Mamas. And so I'm going to ask her to introduce herself and tell the audience a little bit about uh, who she is and what she does. And then we'll get into some questions. So good morning, doctor. Her name is Dr. Erin King-Mullins. So good morning, Dr. Mullins. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Good morning, Karen, and thank you so much for having me um, on your podcast today. Um, you know, I got introduced to you by you reaching out to me, and I was so inspired and can connect with you and your story on so many levels. So I definitely appreciate you reaching out um, to hear mine. Um, but yes, uh, I am a physician. Um, I'm a colorectal surgeon in the Atlanta area, and I recently delivered my first child um, middle of February. And, um, you know, things were great initially. I um, didn't have too much difficulty with the pregnancy itself, but labor and delivery was a prolonged period. Uh, I was in the hospital for about eight days um, and ended up being uh, discharged home with uh, postpartum preeclampsia, um, which is uh, the elevated blood pressures. And so ended up having to uh, learn how to monitor my blood pressure at home and take blood pressure medicines. And so um, all of those things and, and the urgency of my C-section that I required, you know, things um, were a little bit traumatic. And uh, the stress and anxiety that um, ensued afterwards I, you know, attributed it to some normal postpartum things, but, you know, kept kind of getting more and more anxious about certain things when, with regard to my health uh, when I was learning more about the postpartum preeclampsia and those things. Um, and so uh, in doing some research, uh, I found a lot of information about the disparities in uh, birthing when it comes to African-American women um, and just some of the potential, you know, side effects and, and, and severe outcomes that can occur and, um, and a lot of the anxiety that's associated with it. And so I found out that whole situation was called birth trauma. So I wanted to, with the encouragement of my husband, um, we actually, I actually started a social media site, um, on Twitter, just Corona Mamas, um, just to kind of establish a little bit of a community for me to reach out um, and for me to just learn a little bit more about what I was going through, reach out to other moms. And, you know, a few weeks after I delivered, here comes lockdown from Corona. And so there was just so much involved and just really needed a safe place um, and safe space. And then it just kind of blossomed even more into me turning it into an actual website and blog 
as things progressed with the social injustices in the world. Um, so it just, it's such a precarious time here uh, these days and, and there's so much going on. And so I really just wanted to create a place where moms of all kinds of all experience levels can come together and, you know, find resources, find uh, support, um, you know, and so that's how we started. And I've taken a look at the site several times and it is very robust. I mean, there's everything from um, different recipes. I think it's called lactate cookies is the one I was looking oh, at. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then it's got self-care, you know, if you're raising children um, and you just had a baby, um, postpartum, I mean, all sorts of things. And so first, as it relates to your health, so the uh, postpartum preeclampsia, is that something that you will always have or does it typically subside over time? So a certain percentage of women will go on to um, continue to have high blood pressure and stay on the medications indefinitely. Um, I was on medication for about six to eight weeks afterwards, um, and so thankful for that. But yeah, they um, there are some studies and even research going on out there um, with regard to the long-term effects, because even those women who um, don't have to remain on medications, um, there is, I think, some evidence that indicates that they have a long-term risk of heart disease um, and stroke and things like that just by nature of them having the preeclampsia during and around pregnancy. So um, definitely, you know, something that um, I think the uh, medical, you know, societies are learning more and more about. And when you started this, I watched the clip on the Today Show, as I said, that's where I was first introduced to you. And you talked about the fact that what you were looking for in terms of the support that you needed after you had the baby and the pandemic and everything, you weren't able to find that um, anywhere online. So what were you looking for that you thought or you found was missing? I needed something that I think was a little bit of a one-stop shop in the sense of you're able to get a little bit of everything. Um, you know, me being a busy mom, um, you know, as a physician and things like that, I, um, you know, don't have a lot of time to delve too much into the research and look over here for some of the social aspects, look over here for some of the medical aspects. So, um, you know, just needed something that I could find both for uh, medical, for um, health, for pleasure, for leisure. Um, also, just little tips and tricks from moms. You know, I have a little page and I'm working on that a little bit more on some of the self-care things and products that um, that you can purchase not only to take care of mom, but to, to make, you know, taking care of baby more facile. And so I was just really looking for a one-stop shop, but, uh, you know, also being very reputable. And so even though I don't proclaim to um, give any medical information on the site, I think, you know, my having, being a physician, that background gives me a little bit, you know, um, a little bit more stance and in, in, in allowing the community to trust me because I am going to take that extra step and, and make sure that I'm as accurate as possible. And, you know, when you say one stop, it is truly that, as I said earlier, I mean, there is some of everything here. And I think even if you're not a new mom, there is information here that is extremely valuable. And I understand uh, how you feel because, you know, as the mom of a child with a special, with a disability, with special needs, I'd have to go here to look for one piece of information, here to look for another piece of information. And it can take a lot of time 
when you're working and you have more than one child and you are involved in maybe your church or whatever, to have to scour the internet for information. So do you add to it as you hear from other moms who say, hey, can you add information on this? Or do you add information as you find your needs are changing as you're going through this journey? A little bit of everything. Um, you know, I keep my try to keep my uh, hand on the pulse of things that are going on uh, in society. And so uh, that that's why I'm still pretty active on the Twitter account just to see what moms and people are posting about. Um, you know, we recently had um, uh, breast, um, excuse me, breastfeeding, uh, National Breastfeeding Month. And then the final week of that was um, Black, um, Black Breastfeeding Week. And that was a special especially poignant for me because I did have such difficulty breastfeeding. And so knowing that, you know, sometimes in those situations, you get inundated with breast is best and you should do this and you should do that. And you just me personally with my experience, I know, you know, how it's not always that you just don't want to breastfeed. Sometimes, you know, women can't. And there's this certain level of guilt that's sometimes placed on those women. And so that's kind of where I get my um, my inspiration from, just seeing what people are talking about, um, what I'm personally going through, trying to shed some light on that as well. And along with having to deal with monitoring your blood pressure, what were some of the, the challenges that you really faced or had to deal with when you, you know, first got home with your new baby and navigating, um, you know, kind of your new normal with the pandemic and all that was going on? Yeah. So, you know, the frustrating part about of it was there were times where I just had to take myself away from everything just to allow my body to heal and adjust. And that that was something that I'm not used to. Um, you know, I have been on the go. I've been gunning it since elementary school, you know, in the sense of I went straight through. So, you know, high school, college, med school, residency, fellowship, you know, just I'm so used to uh, doing so much. Um, And so really having to take a pause and understand that my body physically could not do the things that I wanted to do, even sometimes when it came to pumping and breastfeeding, you know, I'd have just the slightest twinge of a headache and I'd take my blood pressure and it was through the roof. And it's like, oh my God, like I have to, you know, then, you know, kind of pass the baby off to my husband and just kind of go to a quiet room, take my medication, try to lay down and, you know, just kind of get things um, back together. And so that, um, was very difficult in and of itself. And then add on top of that, uh, not being able to have visitors. And we, we had to just isolate because early on in the pandemic, we obviously didn't know really how it was transmitted, how easily it was transmitted. And so we had to shut everything down, you know, from friends and family and, you know, the nat- the uh, traditional support systems that we would have had. I mean, I had my sisters lined up on different weeks to come, my best friend lined up on, you know, to kind of have that cycle of support and all that had to be, you know, nixed. And so that was pretty, um, pretty difficult to deal with. And how are you dealing with your blood pressure now? What is it that you have to do just to make sure? And what are the signs? What do you see that lets you know, you know, I may need to take it easy. I check my blood pressure, see how things are going. Um, I'm pretty much back to normal now. Um, I'll check it every once in a while just to make sure there's no crazy fluctuations. But um, I think 
the biggest thing um, was, you know, getting some of the baby weight off. Um, I did have, you know, a bit of swelling. And so I think, you know, getting some of that excess weight off um, now being back at work, even though I have not really been able to exercise as much as I would like, um, you know, as I was before I was running and everything. I even did a 10 K when I was pregnant. Um, but, um, now uh, I walk quite a bit for work. I try to take the stairs, you know, park a little bit farther. And so just kind of maintaining that level of activity and, and keeping the blood flowing. Um, I think that has helped quite a bit. And, and watching the diet, obviously, a lot of my uh, cravings and things like that for the sweets that has dissipated, thankfully. So um, I've been able to uh, be a little bit more mindful about my diet. <laughs> and a 10K while you were pregnant, how did that go? Um, it was pretty good. The, um, in Atlanta, um, there's the world's largest 10 K that happens every year on July 4th. Um, and so this was my third year doing it. And so I found out I was uh, pregnant a few, uh, I, I think I was about eight weeks pregnant, um, when I did it. And so the weather was pretty, uh, aggressive as far as the heat and the sun. And so I decided not to run the whole thing. I ran the first half and did, and did walk run you know combo afterwards and made sure I stopped at every water station and, and did a couple of um a couple of cups of water just to make sure I stayed hydrated and so that, that was really great you know I felt um because unfortunately soon afterwards I had to really give up a lot of my activity because I, I had a little vertigo um from the pregnancy I didn't get a lot of the morning sickness and nausea and vomiting, I had vertigo. And so, um, can't really run with, with vertigo. And so I had to really slow down after that. And so, but it was, it was fun. It was great. And something that I, and it was the 50th running, I think of the, um, Peachtree road race. And so it was great. So I can have that memorabilia to show my daughter when she gets older, like, Hey, you ran the 50th Peachtree. <laughs> I'm sure she will get a kick out of that when she gets a little bit older. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to go to something you mentioned earlier, and, and I have uh, been interested in it and written a few blog posts about it, but just about the disparity as it relates to women of color when it comes to the increased um, rates of death during childbirth. Um, and I guess it was really striking to me because I figure in 2020, something like giving birth you know, just seemed to be something we kind of had under control as as a society. Um, and I and I and both of my children are adopted, so I don't have a lot of experience with it. And I guess the one thing that really struck me as I did a little research was somebody like Serena Williams, who is, I mean, she's everybody knows who Serena Williams is. Right. And she's in the hospital and is telling them something is wrong. You need to check because I'm prone to blood clots. I'm having that feel. And it was like in the beginning, they were telling her, this is right after she had her baby. Oh, you're fine. You're just a little anxious, you know, from giving birth. And she had to be insistent. And had she not been, the outcome for her could have been different. And so I'm thinking, my God, if y'all are giving Serena Williams a hard time, and I'm sure she has no problem paying. So it's not like you were going to get stiffed if you gave her the test. What does that say for your average woman of color? Um, you know, going to the doctor. So what is the, what is the, the science or the, the issues behind that? Why is that something that we're still struggling with, at least in your opinion? Yeah, you know, it's so multifactorial. And I think one of the biggest things that we are finding as the light is being shined on, you know, systemic racism, and, and when even it comes to medicine, is that um, for some reason, black women are thought to be able to tolerate pain better. Um, and they're also uh, believed to um, always... Um, it's hard to explain. Um, 
think that suffering is going to be in play. And, it, and it's really funny, you know, over this course of time, I've seen uh, posts and documentation of really uh, weird stuff in even textbooks and nursing textbooks when in these quote unquote diversity sections and they give these little subcategories where they um, discuss different ethnicities. And so I've seen it, you know, they've described, um, you know, African-Americans to uh, uh, believe to have a higher pain threshold, but also to, like I said, you know, uh, believe that suffering is always going to happen. And then they had certain uh, notes about what Native Americans think and certain notes about what Hispanics think. So it was, it was very uh, eye opening to me because I had never seen anything like that in medical school. But I saw this um, actually someone took a picture of it and posted it on Twitter from a, a nursing textbook. Um, it's also has been taught like in nursing and things like that, that for some reason that African-Americans have thicker skin, um, which is not true. Um, and so there's all of these things that are, you know, just kind of passed down over time uh, socially. And that leads to certain, you know, implicit biases and, and certain notions that people uh, assume just by seeing a person. And so a lot of it has to do with African-American women not necessarily being heard or taken seriously. Um, and then there there are some other um, kind of uh, genetic um, things that may predispose African-Americans to more um, to, to more disparities. But, you know, it's you add that along with them not being listened to things should be able to be caught earlier you know you believe a lot of times and sometimes it's not happening until it's too late because again something as simple as a headache well if that's not explained to the patient that a headache can be a marker for a really elevated blood pressure they're at home with a high blood pressure not knowing it because they have a headache and they're just like oh I'm just you know tired or I'm just this or I'm that and they may not even seek medical treatment because they think it's just a headache and so they haven't really been educated that that could be a marker or something more ominous or more serious and so there's there's just so many things that go into it that we really have to go back to the drawing board and make sure we start from from scratch and communicate with our patients and i think it's interesting that you mentioned an actual medical journals or books where, you know, that they're actually, I guess, I, it, why does it matter what Native Americans think versus African Americans? I don't, I don't know if there's really a use for that. If a patient comes in and says, this is what I'm suffering from, you would think that, well, we just try to figure out what's going on and not look at, you know, oh, their culture believes this or that. So um, I don't know, maybe there's a place for that type of information. I, I have no idea, but it's just interesting to know that that's actually documented somewhere, which I'm sure doesn't help um, what we're going through as people of color, just trying to get treatment when we're um, saying that we don't feel well. So thank you. That that was very interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and how has it been for you? You mentioned that you're back at work. And so what has that been like? Does it worry you being in you know, hospital or medical setting and then going home to your family? How have you been uh, managing that? So I think one of the positive things is that over time, you know, we have really understood a lot more um, how the uh, COVID-19 is transmitted. Um, and so that has helped to some degree for me to initially when I went back to work, I was like super anxious. I was, you know, I had 
complete hazmat suit almost on every time I walked into the building. Um, and so that has dissipated some as I've learned, you know, more about, you know, really what the risks are. So things are a lot better now, um, understanding, you know, and, and at the hospital, uh, things are very well separated, very well managed. Um, so as long as, you know, we're wearing all our appropriate PPE. Now, I'm still very cautious about, like, I won't eat in the lunchroom or anything like that, even though things are really spaced apart. You know, I'll go get my lunch and just maybe go eat in the car or eat outside or something um, like that uh, when I come home. Um, you know, when I, when I come home, I actually, uh, take all of my scrubs and everything off in the garage and put a robe on and then come in and go get cleaned up and everything before I'll touch anything or, or touch the baby. Um, so, you know, those are the times we're living in. Um, but we, we feel a lot better, you know, uh, about things. And, uh, I think we're, you know, progressing well at this point. And I know you um, also mentioned that you felt it was important to add information to the site as it related to, you know, the social unrest and what is happening to Black people all across uh, the United States. Why did you think that was something that you definitely wanted to include as a part of Corona Mamas? A lot of it is uh, even from personal experiences. Um, I, I grew up actually in Sanford, Florida. Um, where the uh, Trayvon Martin situation occurred. And so even going back to that, and, and when you hear these stories and see these stories, you know, over and over again, you know, every time there's a, a little bit of a awakening inside of me of, you know, previous experiences. And so, uh, and these are lived experiences no matter, and, you know, me as a black female physician in Atlanta living in, you know, a, a relatively affluent area, um, when you're talking to your colleagues and patients and things like that, based upon how I come across now, obviously, you know, no one would assume that I came from Sanford, which what does that mean? What does that look like? You know what I'm saying? Like, I shouldn't, you can't just, you know, judge a book by its cover, as they say. And so I think it's just very important um, for me in my position to make sure that I acknowledge and recognize and share um, those things, because when I am driving in my car without my medical outfit on and all that stuff, I'm not Dr. King Mullins. I'm Aaron. I'm a black female. And so no one knows that unless I have it plastered on my forehead. And so I will likely be treated as such. And I have been treated as such in certain situations. And so it's just about drawing awareness to uh, people who uh, make assumptions and think that just because someone's in a certain uh, socioeconomic status now that, that they're immune and they're not. Absolutely. I definitely can um, agree with you that it is, it, it's interesting too. Do you find that when people find out that you are a physician, that it changes, you know, those who've got some bias, bias, biases and stigmas that they somehow see you differently. You're a different black person when they find out uh, that you're a doctor. Yes, yes. And, and definitely on the converse as well. Sometimes when I get, you know, an African-American patient who comes in who, you know, maybe down on their luck or had some difficult times, you know, they walk in the room and this is Dr. King. So there's an assumption that, you know, this is, you know, uh, you know, maybe someone who's had everything handed to them, you know, through all their life. And so I try to meet my patients, you know, where they are. And, and sometimes I have to tell them like, look, you know, I wasn't always like this. I understand like everything you're explaining to me as far as what you're having to go through uh, to work, 
um, to take care of yourself. Like I personally know that experience from my family. And so that really changes the, the dynamic with me um, and a patient. But also, um, as you were saying, it, it changes sometimes if I'm, again, just in street clothes and I'm somewhere and I'm, you know, maybe meet someone and I'm talking to them. Um, they assume certain things about me. And as we talk more and, oh, what do you do? And I am a physician. Oh, and then there's like a whole, I don't know, a light bulb goes off. And now I'm a completely different person. Um, now I matter, um, which is very interesting to see uh, sometimes. And it's kind of frustrating because it's I didn't matter before. And I'm, now I matter because I you know went to school for so many years. Um, yeah. Yeah. Tell me about it. I, <laughs> I used to purposely um, before the, the job I have currently, I worked uh, where I, I was the um, supervisor for several uh, people. And it was interesting when I would pick up the phone um, and they didn't know I was the supervisor. And then they find out that it's me they're talking to. Like the, the whole conversation <laughs> changes. It's like, it's, oh, oh, oh. And I'm thinking, I don't understand. Now all of a sudden. So sometimes I would purposely not say anything and just let them kind of dig a hole for themselves <laughs> until right. they find out who they're talking to. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's interesting to watch the dynamic change. I know exactly what you mean by that. And I probably shouldn't take so much joy and pleasure in doing it, but I loved it. You wanted to say something else? Oh, sorry. No, it was like you played undercover boss with them. <laughs> Yes, I did. And it was hilarious. <laughs> like I said, I shouldn't take that much pleasure in it, but I really did. <laughs> so what is it all? You have a lot of information on the site um, and I'm definitely going to make sure that I include a link on the show notes. But what is there a part of it or one part of the, the information that you share that's closest and dearest to your heart? Um, the piece that I started out with my very, very first blog post, um, about the passing of my grandmother, um, that was a very difficult time. Um, my, my daughter is her namesake and, and never got to meet her. Um, and so that was a very difficult time. Um, she passed in May and I think, um, and I talk about it in the blog, I think a lot of why she passed, even though she didn't pass from COVID, uh, was, a consequence of the world we live in currently due to COVID. Um, she was in a rehab facility and um, we, she's, our family would go by and visit her often, like almost daily. Um, and, you know, uh, my aunts and my mother would go by and help her bathe and feed and go to the restroom and show up for bingo. And all, so all of those things that help uh, these elderly patients thrive, but unfortunately COVID, you know, cut that all off. And, and I think, you know, she suffered and succumbed to that, you know, she probably felt lonely, but then also, you know, by a product of everything, uh, um, the staffing is stressed and stretched because again, family members aren't coming and aren't able to come and help with the loved ones as they had actually, you know, probably relied upon. And so she deteriorated, um, and ended up, getting up pretty ill and, and ended up in the hospital and passing. And so um, I just, you know, encourage the world to uh, take a step back and understand what's important and just really realize that, you know, during this pandemic, we have to care for others as if we're caring for ourselves. And that's that's really only how we're going to get through this thing. Absolutely. And I think that's that's part of why the whole mask thing really frustrates me, because to me, it's really about not just protecting yourself, but, you know, helping others and protecting other people um, and 
really, I, I, it kind of saddens me. I don't know how you feel about it, but it saddens me when I hear people talk like, well, whatever, you know, it, like they don't, they don't understand how the mask isn't about just you, but it's also about protecting those around you and the number of people that don't seem to care about that um, has really been disheartening because I agree with you. The only way for us to make it uh, is if we do this thing together and help each other. Um, and I don't know, do you kind of feel like we're missing some of that with what's going on? It's it's shining a light on how selfish we can be as, as people sometimes. I think so. Um, and just with my medical background, um, a, a lot of it just frankly angers me. Um, and, you know, without getting overly political or anything like that, um, um, unfortunately, masks and this current pandemic has been politicized. And we are finding for some reason that the science doesn't matter. You know, how do you not listen to the medical professionals in such a situation? I, I, I really don't, you know, understand that. Um, you know, I, I when I first went out on, uh, well, when lockdown first happened when I was on maternity leave, so early March, you know, I was like, okay, I got three months. So, you know, this is the U.S., we got the CDC, we got the NIH and all this stuff. So by the time I go back to work, things should be pretty well under control and not, you know, be so crazy anymore. And it was actually worse when I went back to work. And so it's just so maddening because the proof is there, the evidence is there, um, you know, and I know that there's a distrust from historically in the past from the medical community for, from certain things, and I get it and I understand, but, you know, when you go to a hospital, when you see, like, we are the physicians, like, when we go outside, the nurses, all the frontline workers, the like, we're doing everything that we are sharing with you all. It's not do as I say and not as I do. Like, we are actually doing it. We're double masking and, you know, wearing our eye protection and, and doing all these things. Um, and so to just go outside and see people just think that we're lying to them um, is actually quite um, maddening to have them listen to someone or some people with zero medical background and listen to them as the gospel as opposed to people who have dedicated their lives um, to protecting others is, you know, makes you mad, <laughs> to be quite honest. I, I know. I, I am not in the medical profession and it makes me angry. I mean, to the point now where I really have to watch my anxiety level, like I'm, I was in like a gas station and I was in line to pay for gas and the girl in front of me, just no mask. She just, I'm thinking, really? Like you, I, I almost want to go, I, you know, like, do I turn around and leave? It will really mess you up. Like, because I have to buy gas. I have to go to the grocery store. I got to do all those things. But um, the number of people are like another couple. I went to pick up dinner at a restaurant here and I went in and the couple in front of me got ready to walk in and it was like, oh yeah, we need masks. Like for real, you left home without them. You just figured a restaurant, if you want me to wear them, you need to provide them. I mean, it wasn't, oh, I'm so sorry. We did, we forgot. They just stood there. Oh, we need masks. Oh. <laughs> right. You knew that when you left home. Um, it's almost like, it. you know, uh, if you want me to wear it, then you need to provide it for me. Okay. Right. So, and the poor little hostess was like, oh, they have them at the day. You could tell the look of really... <laughs> but you just had to kind of swallow it. And so like my anxiety level is whoo, through the roof when I go out. Um, and it's re weird because, you know, we listen to doctors when we, you know, we're sick, you go to the doctor that you, you follow what they tell you to do. But for some reason, like you said, with the mask, it's become a political statement. 
and we just decide, we know, you know, I'm I'm fine and I'm just not going to put it on. And, and if it's, if it makes you uncomfortable, that's not my problem. Okay. And I've heard people say that. So I'm sure as a, um, a part of being a part of the medical field, it really makes you angry. Um, I can only imagine. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what people, other moms who have been um, able to go to your site and be a part of your movement, what have they been saying to you? Have they reached out to you? Uh, and what has their um, what have their comments been to you about Corona Mamas? So they've been largely positive. I've had some emails just reach out and get and want to, um, you know, expound upon maybe something that I had mentioned in the blog or maybe one of the interviews that we had. Um, I know one mom reached out and wanted to know a little bit more about kind of newborn care in the time of COVID, um, you know, immediately after delivery. Um, I've had uh, emails from people saying, oh my gosh, like I, you know, kind of had a very similar experience with the uh, postpartum preeclampsia and the birth trauma, you know, not really, because again, I didn't know what this term birth trauma was until I started, you know, working on Kelowna Mamas and I'm Googling through and found this, you know, birth trauma when, you know, you have this the whole experience of birthing isn't necessarily as happy and joyful as you expect because of some of the um complications or, or if you're having an urgent C-section and things like that. So um, it's been largely positive. Um, some have uh, inquired about, you know, certain topics that they may want to be discussed in the future or interviews. So i um, really excited. I've gotten some ideas to do some additional interviews with um, other medical professionals to answer some questions that I've gotten. And how has that been going? You you do have a YouTube channel as a part of it, right? Where you are interviewing medical professionals. How did that part start? Was it because people were asking more in-depth questions or was that just something you felt uh, would be a benefit to people who are becoming a part of the Corona Mamas community? I thought it would be a benefit. And uh, that kind of went back to the idea of having some, you know, at least medical information there without directly giving medical advice, but also presenting. I really am trying to target doing these interviews and preventing, um, excuse me, and pre- uh, presenting uh, the folks that I interview as people first. Um, because again, living in this whole time and, you know, even me going through my experience with postpartum preeclampsia, my being a doctor had nothing to do to be able to prevent, um, or improve my outcome. You know, I had to be the patient and listen to everything and learn how to be a mom and do all of those things. And so, I really just want to create a place where it's conversational. Um, and so that's where I got inspired to do that, to make people feel comfortable with listening to the information and understanding that, you know, we're real people first um, and that where we come from in the sense of trying to help them, it's coming from a place of us genuinely caring for people first. And have you uh, made any connections or friendships that you would otherwise not have been able to make because of it? Like I know for me writing the blog and I talk a lot about uh, my daughter, I have met uh, several people, one in particular, I've never met this woman. But she and I have really formed a friendship. She checks on me periodically. I check on her just because she could relate to, you know, what I was experiencing. And so have you had any of those types of connections since you started? 
Yes, definitely. Uh, mostly on Twitter. So I have a, a couple of Twitter friends that uh, will kind of send little messages back and forth. Um, so that's been greatly positive. Um, and so um, definitely have established a little bit of a community, uh, you know, or as I think um, on the Today Show, somebody called it a sorority almost, like we've been inducted into a sorority, these group of women who've had, you know, children during this time of the pandemic. And what was it like, speaking of the Today Show, to be contacted to be a part of that? What was that like? First off, it was surreal. <laughs> um, it was just like, whoa, wait, where's this going? Like, um, I, you know, it was just... Corona Mamas was just a little labor of love that, you know, while the baby's napping <laughs> or late nights, I'm just doing a little research. I'm writing notes on my phone. So just kind of slowly rolling things out. And then they contacted me. And then I was like, holy crap, I got to speed this up. So <laughs> I had to like focus on, you know, making a lot more content, getting back on doing some of the videos just to kind of, um, roll that stuff out. But, you know, it was, um, it was amazing because it just validated what I was doing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not a look at me person. This is what I'm doing. I'm really just going through the motions, like me being a surgeon, like that's my job. I'm not some, you know, superwoman, wonder woman, like that's just the job that I fell into that I followed, you know, as far as my passion. So it just really validated that there are people out there that um, think like me um, and need help uh, with certain things um, like me. Um, And so that's kind of what I got out of it. And how, what happened for Corona Mamas after? Did you see a surge of people going to the site, reaching out once you were on the show? Yes, yes, definitely saw um, a crazy uptick in my numbers uh, when I went to Google Analytics <laughs> compared to before. It was a exponential increase. Um, and then, you know, I got blessed to uh, be contacted by you. Um, I have uh, been contacted by a couple of other sites um, that want to feature Corona Mamas. Um, and so it's kind of helping me really drive and understand how I want to move forward and how I want to progress. And I still want to take things slowly because I want to um, I want to mold the site and the community to evolve with the needs of of today. Um, you know, I, I initially started out focusing on new moms. And then when Corona was really in its height and I was realizing that all moms are now new moms because you're having to learn how to homeschool and work from home and just kind of parent in a whole new way. And so I want to be able to continue to to grow and evolve and not force anything. I don't want to just create content just because, because, oh my God, it's been five days since I posted something. So I need to make something up. Definitely don't ever want to be in that place. And at the end of the day, when a mom finds your site or hears about you because they saw you on the Today Show like I did and they go to Corona Mamas, what are you hoping uh, they get out of visiting Corona Mamas? I just hope they walk away from it saying, I learned something, I feel validated, and that was really worth my time. Um, you know, so so much of, again, things that are out there these days are not necessarily authentic or genuine in the sense of it's just so content heavy. And you hear so much about the pressures from a lot of these 
um, social media celebrities, you know, the YouTubers and all those things, you know, they experience stress and anxiety after they get to a certain level of following um, because they're just, you know, driven by the need for the numbers for content. And so I just hope that, you know, as they discover my site, they, they don't ever think, oh, that was just because a post or something was needed that they actually find value in what they read. We didn't talk much about your baby. So you had a girl, correct? Yes. <laughs> and what is her name and how old is she now? Yes. Miss Mackenzie is now seven months. So she's Mackenzie Victoria. Victoria was my grandmother's name. Seven months. So what new things is she doing at seven months that you can't believe it's already happening? Oh, gosh. So she is pulling herself up on the couch and taking steps. I am so not ready for that. I don't have baby <laughs> gates yet. <laughs> So that is on the to-do list for this weekend. Um, so yeah, I, I think um, I wasn't expecting the, the the steps at seven months. I know time does fly and they really, you wake up and you go, how are, is it you're able to do that when you couldn't do it last week? Right. <laughs> so it does happen quickly. And I, I could just hear your voice light up when you talked about her. We do love our babies. My um, youngest, my daughter, who is much older than your baby, she's now 19. Her middle name is Mackenzie. Oh, wow. Yep. Kindred spirits. Yes, that's her middle name. Well, I just want to thank you for your time. I, like I said, I saw it on the Today Show and I encourage people uh, at whatever phases you said, we're all new moms to some degree with what's going on in the world right now. And it's an amazing site to go to. You can get some great information there. So thank you again, Dr. Aaron King Mullins for your time today. If there's anything that you want to hear us talk about here on In My Shoes, if you want me to pass a message to the doctor, I'm happy to do that. You can hit me up at KDT at InMyShoesToday.com. Again, that's KDT at InMyShoesToday.com. And we will link to the Corona Mama site on the show notes. So until we meet again, be blessed.